Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. It's 2 Peter 3.18. It says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Grow in what? And what? Of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. In other words, the Bible requires us to grow. The Word says that the way that we grow is we grow in the grace of God, a word that Paul used heavily in the New Testament, introduced to us there. You know, they often talk about the Roman road of salvation, but also it says grow in knowledge of the Lord. About a month ago or so, I prayed for somebody that was starting a new business and I felt like the Lord wanted me to take something and just leave it at their door of their new business. And <laughs> I found a rock that says, grow through what you go through. And it was super cliche. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pray over this and leave a blessing here. I went to visit that business for the first time about a month. It was about a month later. And that rock was still at the door. And they were so blessed that somebody would leave a prayer for them. They don't have to know who did it because God's the one that does the blessing, amen? But I want to preach to you for just a little while about grow through it. Grow through it. We have to go through a lot of things in life. And some of you even talked to me this morning already about some of the things you're going through in life. So if we go through stuff, we might as well grow through it, amen? If we're going to see things happen. I almost brought an umbrella, but some of you would be concerned to me opening an umbrella inside a building. Some of you are superstitious like that. <laughs> so I was going to bring an umbrella and I was going to open it and say, hey, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You're going to go through good times and bad times. You're going to ride the roller coaster of life. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But if you're going to have to go through things that are hard and difficult at times, you might as well have the mentality that I'm going to grow through this. In fact, that mentality changes your entire walk with God. And I want to speak about that for just a little bit. Our walk with God is very important. The Bible encourages us as believers to excel in the love of God and to excel in the grace of God and to excel in the knowledge of God. It tells us in many places in Scripture that we are put here for a reason. How many know you're here for a reason? Amen. I didn't know what that reason is when I was young, Brother Adon. I grew up in a very difficult home. In fact, I found that my father loved me whenever I did things, whenever I would do actions. Like, for instance, we had a TV, but I wasn't allowed to watch TV unless I was massaging his feet. Everybody say, ooh. So I found out that love requires me to do something. That's the way I was trained as a child. If I, if I didn't perform, and then going through the upbringing that I was in, I had some pastors that were more legalistic and some pastors that were less legalistic. But you know, you grew up in church, some of you, and you knew that if you, if you tried hard enough, God would love you. You know, you, the message didn't mean maybe to be taught that way, but it was taught that way. It was taught that, that this is a free gift, but really you have to earn it. And, it, and, and then they would use scriptures, you know, and, and, and that would talk to us 
about it's a free gift from God, but there, but yet we still, I still grew up feeling like I could never do enough for God. Have you ever been there before? I'm, I'm talking to you from my heart that I, I didn't understand that my walk with God was a daily, was a daily love walk with him. And that whenever I got done with trying to figure out how I was supposed to act for God and how I was supposed to do for God, that he said, why don't you just rest in my presence? I've already purchased everything you need and that you can walk into the grace of God and the love of God and know that you are safe and you are loved and he's not mad and he's not going to walk out tomorrow because you're not performing the way you should perform. God's grace does not work like that. God loves you the way he loved you when he first loved you. He loves you enough not to leave you where you are. That is true. But the case that we have here today when we understand grace, I'm hearing music. Is that me or is that something else? Sorry, I get distracted because I have ADD. It's like squirrel. Sometimes when they put the title up, I like start reading the title. That's a nice picture and I get lost and I'm supposed to be preaching. And so I found out that if I didn't do things right or do things good enough, that if I didn't try hard enough, that I needed to just try harder. Have you been there? And so I felt like I wasn't doing enough. I felt like I was in uncharted waters, that I didn't know how to love God properly because I never had a good father model. And that's what Sarah was talking about. If you didn't have a good father, you may have a good representation, a bad representation and not a good representation of the way your father loves you. He loves you with un, un, unhitched. It's just un, an uncrazy, ridiculous kind of love. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about walking with God because sometimes whenever I would, when I started this church and when we were doing this together, all, there was a team involved and I, I get all that, but I thought that when I would get to the point of being a full-time pastor, that I would have a better, um, that I would just begin to blossom and grow and I would mature in God in, in ways that I couldn't even fathom and I would be hearing God and I'd be reading zip codes and I'd be, you know, I, you know of course I'm kidding. But I thought that I was going to grow in ways that I never thought, that I never saw myself grow whenever I was working and busy and doing things. But the simple answer is that we're, we're created to walk with God and to worship him through our life. We're created to love him through the difficulties and through the struggles. So I want to talk to you about that. The simple answer is the way to grow through life is to be a worshiper all the way through life to worship him in everything that you go through. Did you know we're created to worship? We breathe and we live and we talk and we work and we, we have a, a reason to live because we have a relationship with the one who made and gave us life. And so that worship and that walk with God is important. It's so important that we see it in the first chapter of the book of the Bible in Genesis we find out that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Now, Adam was formed by God. We understand that. And God gave him a job in the garden before he gave him a wife. Hello, somebody. You need a job before you get a wife. <laughs> and then he created a spouse for him. He created a helpmeet and he formed her of the rib and brought her to him while he was asleep. That's why men cannot understand women because they were created while they, we were sleeping. Okay. It's just, we don't quite understand. And she was not created in a place that was un, that was, 
not complete. Adam had already named animals. He'd already done everything. He was keeping the garden and God put him to sleep because he had already seen all the animals. They'd all paraded by him and he said, there was not one for me. I see others with another, but not one for me. And so God gave him a help meet and brought him to him and Eve was created in a completed place. That's why when mama comes home, we try to get the house clean. And we try to get everything put together because when mom gets home, she needs to walk into a, it's comforting to her to walk into a, a completed place. That's why, that's why she asks me all the time questions like, where are we going? What are we doing? Who's taking us there? What car are we taking? Because she needs the completed answer. She was, she was made in completion. Amen. <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble. I'm going to get back to my notes now. God said his purpose in creating us is to bring glory and praise to himself, Isaiah says in 43.7. Look at the word of God. It says, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. And then verse 21 of that same chapter gives us even more light. It says, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praises. In other words, God is telling us that every breath we breathe, he deserves to get back in praise. Amen? There is something beautiful about knowing your purpose in life, that you don't have to have everything right. You don't have to have all the breaks, but whenever you stand in God's presence and you say, first, I am a worshiper. First, I am one who breathes and gives breath of life back to God in praise. I am one who lifts him up. Up. Psalms 150 and 6 has a beautiful scripture that tells us this. It says that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I wonder if we could do that together right now. Are you breathing? Could you ask? Could you offer God some praise right now in this place? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. He's worthy of my praise. He's created me to praise him. Ephesians 2 and 20 lets us know that we're created for good works. Everyone say good works. And to walk in his ways, Ephesians 2 and 24. He, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen, somebody. And also in Colossians 2, 3, 2, and 5, it lets us know that our thoughts and our actions and our words are meant to elevate him, to lift him up. What he has done in our lives is so important. Set your affections on things above, not on this earth. Next verse, it says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, the members which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanliness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, all these different things that we need to lay down in covetousness, which is idolatry. And then go on to the next verse if you have it. They'll pull it up in just a second. But it says for us to lay those things down because we're meant to serve the Lord for good works and our walk with God say something. Amen. Yes. Worship is not confined to a church service then. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And so I don't want the wrath of God on my life, but I found out that as I began to search out the things of the scriptures, my old pastor got it right. He used to get up every morning and head out the door and he would walk with God. Literally, he would walk, go on a walk with God. And I thought, that's kind of weird. I always thought you needed to pray and kneel somewhere, get off in a corner in a closet. 
And he's like, no, I take it literally. He said, if Adam walked with God, it's good for me. I'll walk with God. And every morning he walks with God. And that same man is the one who would be on a mountaintop somewhere hunting. And God would say, you need to go back home. And he'd go home and someone had passed away that he needed to care for in the church. And they had no way of reaching him because there was no phone service there. But he knew something had happened because he walked with God. And God talked to him as God talks to friends. Amen? You want to change your life? Walk with God. Just get up every day and say, Lord, I don't know what this day holds, but this day is yours, and I'm living through it. I'm going to go through it, but I want to grow today through this. I want to be changed. I don't want to be the same tomorrow. Enoch walked with God in Genesis 5 and 22. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked. Look at the things God did in their lives. God can do amazing things. Lest we think that phenomena is only found in the Old Testament, look what God does. He walks, we walk in the steps we're told in Romans. Paul encourages us in Romans 4 and 12 to walk in the steps of faith. It says, and our father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had which he had being yet uncircumcised. In other words, he was saying that he walked with God. No, of course, we find in Romans 6 and 4 another great example. Walk, it says, walk in the newness of life. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. Thank God that we are buried with him in baptism. Amen. Anybody been baptized in Jesus' name and buried with Jesus Christ so that all things have passed away, all things have been made new? That like as Christ was raised from the dead, from the dead by the glory of the, of, of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me run through these quickly. It says that we are to walk not according to our flesh in Romans 8, but according to the Spirit. We are to walk in love. We are to walk in light. Amen? Not in darkness, Ephesians 5 and 8. We are, walk, we are to walk worthy of the Lord. We are to walk worthy of the Lord, the Scripture tells us in Colossians 1 and 10. To walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. We can fully please the Lord. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Did you know that God, that, God that's somebody that's probably on the next, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. God. <laughs> Some days this tongue just doesn't work and I'm supposed to be preaching. Sometimes we please the Lord when we have fruit in our life. And sometimes when there's no fruit, we can get upset. And so for me, I was walking with the Lord, but I was not feeling like I was doing enough sometimes. And that's the thing that I want to address is when the enemy comes to you, he'll try to tell you that you're not enough and that God doesn't love you the way you are and God doesn't love you with the struggles you have. And I want you to know nothing could be further from the truth because God loved you before you walked toward him and God loved you before you loved him. And so how much more does he love you? I mean, God grows. He cannot change, so his love cannot change. I understand that. But we can grow in the love of God. We can walk with God. We can walk in light as Jesus is in the light, Scripture says. We can live out our life to walk justly before the Lord. We can walk according to the Lord's commandments, as the Scripture says. There's a lot of places where it talks about walking. One of my favorite ones is 3 John 1 and 3, 
Maybe you've read this one before. Maybe you haven't. But it tells us to walk in truth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walketh in the truth. There's a power in walking in truth. Amen? To know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want you, want you to know that there was a freedom that I needed in my young heart as a boy, that I needed to be set free from bad representations of what love was. I needed to be set free from the things I didn't understand. Walking by my side was a God who loved me. And walking by your side is a God who loves you. And he loves you so much that he doesn't just love you. He is love. In other words, it's not something he performs. Yes, identity creates action. Decisions make actions. Actions come from identity. I get all of that. And so God is love and his nature is love. But one thing you have to understand is he'll never leave you or forsake you because that's what love does. Love never forsakes you. It never leaves you. Even when you feel lonely, feelings will lie to you at times. And we can live in the understanding. I know the 60s and all the, the free movement and everything that happened in the 60s, everybody thought that if you live by your feelings, you're living your best life. And, and if you want it, then you need it. Have you ever heard that song? Yeah, maybe you have. Old rock song. If you want, I'm not going to sing it. If you want it, then you need it. The truth of the matter is that the scripture tells us that God helps us to understand when our perceptions and our feelings are off. How many came in here today and you don't really, you, you, you had feelings that could be all over the board. Maybe you didn't even feel like worshiping today, but as they began to worship, something happens in the, in the atmosphere. Something changes in you while you're in the atmosphere and you begin to feel like, you know what? God is good. I'm reminded again that I'm walking with one by my side who loves me and who cares for me and he it is who loves me and wants me to worship him and breathe praises to his name. I'm grateful that I know that he changes me and he stirs us, amen? He wants us to soar like eagles. But sometimes we feel like pigeons. <laughs> Got a bunch of people around us pecking at the ground, pecking at us. You're going to be lonely when you choose to be excellent, amen? When you strive for great things, loneliness is a condition of excellence. I want you to understand that. The higher you go, the harder it is for you to understand other people that just want to hang around the hen house and peck at things. But when you get into a place where you begin to soar with the Lord, the wind that lifts you is the spirit of God. You need to understand that you got to walk and live by the spirit of God. You can't just get born again and not walk in the spirit. You can't just be born of the Spirit and not walk in the Spirit. When God calls you to do something, when he gives you your purpose, it's going to be a powerful purpose, and you will not be able to accomplish it on the things you know and the things you've learned and the skill sets that you have. You are only going to be able to do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, how foolish it would be. Yes, oh, how foolish it would be for us who have begun in the spirit, the scripture says, to continue in the flesh. God, help us that we can find a place where we push back the natural mind and we push back the understanding of God is just a mystery, but we step into his presence and we walk after the spirit so that we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen, somebody. That we're walking with God in honesty and in truth. Some say that God is in nature, pantheism. You know what I'm talking about. If that is the case, then we can find him in the outdoors. And he's one 
when we become one with nature. I like to become one with nature, so don't get me wrong. I like going outdoors. I will hug a tree better than you can. I love being out in nature. Others say God is a mystery. I've heard that one. Have you heard that one? So then to know him is like some esoteric ritual or some sort of, I don't know, arcane philosophy. It's not true. God is findable. God is in his word. He is sourced and he is true. And without him, you cannot live. You are built by him. Obviously, we talked about that last week. But your life and your purpose is designed by your walk with God. And if you don't walk with God, you're starving your spirit out. You literally are starving yourself from your source. That's why people worship stuff. It's a fact. We're made to worship. If you don't worship God, you will pick something to worship. You will worship NASCAR. You will worship football teams. You will worship something. You will find something to worship because we are people made to worship. We're meant to give ourselves to something. And so I can't tell you anything more important than to give yourself to God. Give yourself and your life to him. God does not prove who he is. He doesn't have a qualifier, amen? He doesn't need to qualify himself. Even in the beginning of the, in the first chapter in the big baseball game, you know where it's at, in the beginning. Big baseball game, first chapter. Genesis 1 and 1, the writer offers us in the beginning, God. It doesn't even say who he was, where he was, or how he started. But we know that in Hebrews eleven six, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And he gives all men the measure of faith. So in other words, God gives you the ability to believe who he is without an explanation. You have to understand that you don't have, you don't have a desire built in you just because you like to worship stuff. God built you that way so that you would find him. You'd seek him out. You'd search for him. You have a measure of faith to go find the Lord. And when you feel like you're out of faith, have you ever been there? Like you just don't know if you can have faith for the next step or the next move or whatever God has next for you. I have a reminder for you today. If you feel like you're running low on faith, tell yourself, I've got faith for this because God deals to all men the measure of faith. He knows what you're gonna go through. He knew where you'd be at today. He knew exactly how much you would have to go through in life. He knew the struggles. He knew the difficulties. He knew the ups and downs. So you got faith to go through it. You've got faith from God to go through it. You don't have to just go through it. You can grow through it because God's given you the faith. So when you begin to fall and feel like you can't do it anymore and this, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Just remember this. God gave you faith so that you could find it and it's found in him. How many know that God is one? Deuteronomy 6, 4. You know your God. You know the God you're serving. God is a spirit, John 4, 24. And there is no body beside God. If God is a spirit, how do you get beside a spirit? Spirit doesn't have physical form. And his, he was begotten in a manger. So therefore, you have to understand that where you see the word son in scripture, you can look at it as the word flesh. He was begotten, be born of him in a manger. So therefore, God who is a spirit, who is everywhere, filling all space and time. How do you get on the right side of a God who's everywhere? 
so whenever you see illustrations of God at the Jesus at the right hand of God, you have to understand that it's referring to strength and power, the right hand of God, that Jesus is the power of God manifest in flesh to purchase us back into a walk with God, a relationship with God. So I'm grateful that I know that he is spirit. I'm grateful that I know he is light because sometimes the world seems dark. But I can just go to 1 John 1 and 5 and it tells me that God is light. I'm grateful that I know that God is holy, 1 Peter 1 and 16. I'm thankful that I know that God is love. And that fifth one I want to stay on for just a little bit because I feel like that's what's going to lead us into our Thanksgiving service next week when I start to deal with the heart of Thanksgiving. Because you can't have a heart of Thanksgiving if you have a heart full of unforgiveness. And I'm going to deal with the heart next week. It's going to be fun. I promise you. I'm going to try to make it fun. But I'm dealing with some big topics right now because I, want, I feel like the Lord wants me to deal with some heavy topics. 1 John 4 and 16, it says, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. I want you to understand that this does not mean that if you abide in love, whatever you define love to be, you're saved. That's not what that scripture means. What it means that God is love. And if you go through the, the, the things that God has given for us, I mean, if God is love and you define love, whatever it is, and you find yourself, I'm in love, so therefore I must be in God because God is love, then there was no point of a cross. And there's no point of a Bible. Why do we have this book if we don't have things we can grow in? If God is just a, a, a quick, simple belief, and then all of a sudden we're saved and never have to worry about anything else, and we don't have to grow in the word of God, then guess what? We all don't, all don't need to be here. Let's all go get some lunch. Because we're good. We're going to heaven. But guess what? Life, why do I say guess what so much? I'm going to stop that. Stop it right now. Stop it. Just stop it. Stop thinking that just because you were saved, you don't have to change. I'm, I'm grateful that people grow, but I know people in church all my life that, that have been born again, but they haven't done anything with it. They get saved and get their ticket in their pocket for heaven and sit down on a pew. In fact, I've seen churches that pray people through or get people baptized and then, oh, good luck, have a good life. See you when we get to heaven. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to grow and abide in the love of God. So salvation is something that's different. The Bible says, he that believeth on God as the scriptures have said. How do you believe on God? You have to believe on God through the word of God. And you have to believe on God through obeying the word of God. Belief was not a concept where you had a construct in your mind of, I believe that, therefore I'm good. Understand that in the scriptures, when they say they believed or they were believers, they took action to be believers. They didn't say, I believe that. That, was, that came in with Greek, Greek understanding of belief. You didn't have believe something and then not move on it and not ha have any action off of that belief until you got to the philosophy stage. The Greeks said, well, I believe that, but I'm not going to do anything with it. You know, basically is the way they, they thought. Whenever you see a believer in the scriptures, you have to understand that those were people that were repented and baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. They were already in the church, amen, and some of those scriptures that you see read, and I should take an entire lesson and just break it down for somebody, because it's very important that you understand that if you believe on Jesus Christ, that is the foundation of your faith. That is what God gave you faith for, so that you can
could find him and that you could reach for him. That is very important, but we need to go beyond that. We need to take the next step. We need to walk with God, amen? And so that love here in this verse, we see not only that God is love, thank God, but we also see that the more we walk with him, the more we are changed to be like him and love fills us, amen? This is a powerful principle, I promise you, that if you walk with God and you live a life of worship, you will feel the love of God in your life and you'll feel love for others. In fact, you'll begin to love people that are unlovable. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicle of Narnia famed once described four loves. Storge used with empathy and sympathy, that's the word. Uh, philia or philio, which is used for friendship or brotherly affection. Maybe you have gone through these before. The third love was eros, which is an erotic uh, attraction or lust. That's lust. A lot of people in our world get lust confused with love. Hello, somebody. Amen. And then there's agape, which is unconditional devotion. That's the God love that we're talking about. Agape is this. Listen carefully. Agape love is described by Paul in 1 Corinthians, you guys get me 1 Corinthians 12, 31 if I didn't give it to you. And when the New Testament describes God's kind of love, agape, it is a word normally used in every case when it's used when God says he loved. And Lewis in his writings uses the first three to mean natural, but agape is divine. It comes from God. And it cannot be added to or taken away from, amen? The essence of agape love is this benevolence and willful delight in the object of such love. How you tell me how the model fits where God can love you and then because you were doing something wrong, God stopped loving you. How is it possible for my daughter to do something where if she falls or she hurts or she does something or she hurts, you know, something or breaks something in the house, did I stop loving her suddenly because she messed up or she did wrong? The worst thing that I had ever had as far as a construct of love is that if I wasn't perfect and I didn't do everything right, then God would leave me. And God cannot leave what he loves. Amen? How many are grateful for the love of God being with you? Regardless of how good, regardless of how great you are, Divine love isn't a sappy kind of love, though. It's not that emotional love, like when people first fall in love. They say infatuation leaves in two years. So if you're about to get married two years out, just wait for it. The whole train of, oh, I didn't know she was like this, or I didn't know he was like this, that's going to hit. Just wait for it. No, I'm kidding. Divine love is not sentimental emotion, though. Divine love is God choosing to love the unlovable, and whenever you walk with God, you can love the unlovable as well because he has action in his love. So it's an action verb. And I'm, I want you to know that there's a depth and a length and a height and a width to God's love. You have to understand that we, we cannot hardly plumb this kind of depth. But I wanted to pray that somewhere in our life we experience the depths of God's love. Ephesians 3 and 18 it records, I pray that you will be able to understand how wide, everyone say wide, how long, good, you guys are quick, how high and how deep his love is. In other words, the width of God's love is wider than any distance 
could flee. You can't run from the presence and love of God. It's impossible. There's no journey that can take you beyond the length of his love. And there is no love higher than the heights of his love. Between heaven and earth, Philippians talks about God's love extends beyond the galaxies, billions and billions of stars. God loves you when you're young, and God loves you when you're old. God loves you when your teeth are like the stars. They come out at night. <laughs> I got somebody. They're, they're wheezing over there. His love is deeper than hell itself, the Bible says. Where can I descend that his love is not there? He brings healing and wholeness to our lives. I want to thank the Lord for every time he's healed me that I didn't know it. <laughs> How many times has God touched us and the depths of his essence and the power of his love has made a wholeness in us that we did not have? So those three, di three dimensions that are talked about, Paul even hits them. He talks about in Ephesians 3.19, his love goes beyond anything we can understand. So I want you to know that while I'm talking about love and it would seem to be a Valentine's, a Valentine's message, I want you to know that greater love has no man than this, that to lay down one's life for his friends, John 15, 13 says. I, I love God more than I even know how to. I'm teaching, I'm teaching and preaching today out of school. Because there are days when I am overwhelmed with my love for God. And there are days when I'm overwhelmed by my schedule. And both days, he's just as real to me. Both days. And I found out that if you live in the love of God, he loves up close. Amen. He'll get close to you. And he loves specifically. He loves you. And he loves you. And I don't know if you can believe that sometimes whenever you have a poor love model. You're like, I don't know how he could love me. I don't know how he could love this. And, they have, and people with low self-esteem really struggle with the love of God. Can I tell you to grow through that? Because if you start to let God just grow you through that, you'll grow right out of it. There, there comes a point where you stop being so self-aware. And you start being more God-aware. If you, if you take the model of I'm not just going to go through this on my skills, but I'm going to grow through this with God in my life, you'll stop worrying about the skills you don't have, the things you're missing or lacking, and you start living on the things he has, the excess that he has, the beauty that he has, the greatness that he is. You start living on what you cannot access without him, amen? And when we live in that kind of source and that power, there's no telling what God will do in your life. There's no telling what God will do. But if you live without it, it's like a Jersey cow being thrown in the ocean. Didn't come from the ocean. Can't live in the ocean. Take a fish and throw it in a field. The fish is not going to survive in a field. Why? Because you took it out of its source. If you take us out of our source, we die. We live happy, unhappy. <laughs> edit unhappy miserable unsatisfied lives without being in our source which is god 
Don't flop around in life just trying to figure out what you like and what you don't like. Start with God. Start by falling in love with him. Jesus is a man that loved you, came and died for you, and he loves you in spite of everything you are. He loves us in spite of the things you need to grow out of. God is love, and he loves us completely, more than anybody else can. We wrap our happiness up in too many things that cannot make us happy, amen? But Jesus can. Oh, there's so much here I don't have time for. Let me move on. Worship, did you know, is a walk of love. I've gotten, now I've gotten to the point. Worship is a walk of love. You have to love God first. And people are like, how can I love God when I don't even love myself? There is something called dying out to self in the scriptures. People grapple with this whole self thing. And Jesus said, get on the cross. If you're going to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You know where a cross leads to? Golgotha, a death. You can't have God's resurrection if you don't follow him in the cross. In other words, the best way to stop worrying about your life and the things that you have that are less than is to literally have a crucifixion moment where you say, God, my life is yours. I lay it down because the Bible says that he that finds his life loses it. But he that loses his life by following Jesus Christ actually finds life. In other words, your best life is waiting on the other side of you laying down your life. Whenever you give your life to Jesus Christ, it is one of the most beautiful moments and he loves you fully. He loves you fully. I'm finishing I want to tell you a story about Hannah Peterson. One month before Hannah Peterson's wedding in Ontario, Canada, tell him hi for me. Somebody's phone went off. Squirrel! Please edit all the squirrels I've used in this sermon out of that sermon, okay? That's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. No, it's who you are. About a month before Hannah's wedding, she was involved in a bad car accident and she broke several ribs in her pelvis. Her kidney was punctured and she suffered partial hearing loss and a concussion. All the invited guests fully expected that the garden wedding would be canceled. Every one of them, they're like, okay, well, I'm sure they're gonna postpone. Yet Hannah insisted that it would continue. I will not have a tragedy change my trajectory. Amen, somebody. Nothing would stop her for that big day of her outdoor wedding that she longed for. The guests gathered in the picturesque garden and watched as Hannah's father rolled her wheelchair down the grass-carpeted aisles. At a prearranged point, the wheels ceased to roll and Stuart, Hannah's fiancé, stepped off the platform and made his way past the family and well-wishers to where his, the girl of his dreams was. And he reached down and ever so gently scooped her up. And he carefully lifted his bride from the wheelchair and carried her down the remainder of the aisle to the platform. Stewart stood before the preacher holding Hannah in his arms the entire ceremony. It was a time of, 
when the vows came and Hannah insisted upon standing and together they faced each other pledging their life to one another. Did you know that Jesus does the same for us? He condescended and left the platform of heaven. Came down and scooped us up. Picked us up in our brokenness in the place where we were. And his love ignored our brokenness. His love lifted the fallen, the, the hurt in us. His love helped us to stand again. And the more we seek him, the more we find him willing to wherever life stops us, he'll come and he'll pick us up and he'll carry us on. Wherever your road ended, God has a new way for you. It's through him. Whatever you've got to go through, he's gonna help you grow through it. He'll come and he'll pick you up and he'll carry you. This Bible says this in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced, this is the convincing that I needed. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot be separated from it. He loves you that much. Love is a powerful thing, amen? Let's excel in that love. Let's stand together. That's what I was convinced of. That in spite of all that I was, God was willing to leave every platform and come down and wrap me in his arms. And that love encouraged me to take new steps in him and to grow greater in him and to be more than I could ever be. I'm just now growing, amen? Some of you are blossoming and some of you I see some beautiful things in your life and I want you to know that God knew you would be right here today to hear this message and that you needed to hear that as tough as it's been, as hard as the road's been, he's growing you through it. He's growing you through it. And did you know that your future is his memory? He already knows where you're going to end up. He knows what God is doing in you. And he celebrates you now, even before you get to where you're going to grow through or what you're going to grow to. He celebrates you right now because he's standing at the end. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And your future's already in him. He already sees it. So let's worship today the God who loves us so greatly, the God who makes our future his memory and celebrates us before we even get there. Would you lift your hands with me and love that kind of God for a minute? Would you just celebrate that kind of God for just a moment? Jesus, thank you for your love for me that doesn't require me to slave or to work or to do or I can just rest in you, Jesus. Thank you that you're not upset, you're not mad, you're not, you're not waiting for me to mess up and strike me down, but you love me just where I am, regardless of whether I know, know everything or I know very little about you. You love me just the way I am. Thank you for loving me the way you do.